Hey there, uh, this is Patrick Mayo. I just wanted to share briefly about the anointing. Uh, this is a quote that uh, I came up with when I was doing my Bible study, and I'll read it quickly, then I'll explain briefly, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. I trust it will be a blessing to you. Uh, here's a quote. The, the longevity of the anointing is determined, by, is determined by purity and holiness in your life. The greatest and lasting anointing is found in those who love righteousness and hate iniquity. It teaches you all things as the anointing, and most importantly, it teaches you to abide. I'll read again. The longevity of the anointing is determined by purity and holiness in your life. The greatest and lasting anointing is found in those who love righteousness and hate iniquity. It teaches you all things, and most importantly, it teaches you to abide. And I'll read a text from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 8. It says, Let your garments be always white. Let your head lack no ointment. Let your garment be always white, and let your head lack no ointment. Now, you may be wondering what this is what, and um, the anointing is something which, uh, if you're a Christian, and if you're not, I encourage you to continue to listen, it will be a blessing to you too, is something which a Christian needs. And many times we think that the anointing is something that is needed for the preacher when they're preaching, or when they're casting out demons, or when they're praying for the sick. Some even don't be living on the sick, but I do pray for the sick. And we see them getting hit. Amen. Glory to God. But the anointing is not just something that you need to do ministry. The anointing, my dear friend, is something that every Christian needs. It's something that you need every day. In fact, David wrote a psalm, Psalm 92, a very beautiful psalm. And he says, verse 10, he says, But my horn shall you exalt, shalt thou exalt, like the horn of a unicorn, a unicorn or a wild ox. He says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. You see, oil can run out. But if you keep replenishing the oil in your life, it becomes fresh. So that you have fresh oil. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm going to show you in a moment how to get to ensure that your oil is always fresh in your life. Now, many people think, that, like I just said, the anointing is just, you know, casting out demons and praying for the sick. And that's important. That's good. It's part of the ministry. Or preaching with power. But my dear friend, the anointing has to be more than that. The anointing has to be something that makes you closer to God. And that's why, as the longer you read the Bible, the more you understand that the anointing is just one thing. There are different kinds of anointings. There are different levels of the anointing. And I've found the greatest level of the anointing. Let me give you a shortcut. The greatest anointing is the anointing that is found in Psalm 45. This is a psalm that David wrote, and he wrote it for Solomon. If you read the title, it says for, 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 for a psalm for Solomon. And verse 5 to 6, this is what it says, and, and the writer of Hebrews quotes it, and, is refer and it's, a, it's, a, it's also a prophecy, it's a messianic prophecy, prophesying about the Messiah who was going to come, that is Jesus Christ. It says, now I'm, I'm reading Hebrews, I'm quoting Hebrews 1, 8 to 9, it's just the same as Psalm 45, 6 to 7. It says, But unto the Son, that is God, but unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, not in God, God is to the Son, 
Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. I'll repeat again. He says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, testament or testimony about Jesus. He says, A scepter of righteousness. His kingdom, his reign comes with righteousness. In Psalm 97 verse 2, I believe it says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So, being connected to Jesus, the anointing that flows from his throne will cause me to love righteousness and to hate wickedness. And this, my friends, is the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is not hiding and running away from God, being afraid of him. The fear of the Lord, actually, Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So when I hate evil, I have the fear of God in my life. So this anointing is something that I must seek above even the anointing that causes me to cast out demons and to pray for the sick and to preach with power. Then notice what it says. You have loved righteousness, that's Hebrews 1 verse 9, and hated iniquity. If your anointing doesn't cause you to love righteousness and hate iniquity, my friend, you have to be careful. He says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So this anointing causes me to love righteousness, to hate iniquity. So what is the result? God will anoint you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. This anointing will cause you to stand out. This anointing will set you apart from the rest. Now, what is anointing in very basic Hebrew and Greek terms because the Bible was written in Hebrew and, and Greek, the Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek, and a little bit of Aramaic in both the Old and New Testament, so three languages. A Hebrew word for anointing is mashach. Now, in contemporary terms, you say Messiah. In Swahili, we say Masihi, Messiah. The Greek word equivalent for that is Christos. So that's where the word Christ comes from. So Jesus Christ is not really a name. Christ is not a, is not his second name. It's a title. So when you say Jesus Christ, you're saying Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Anointed One. And the word Mashach, anoint, literally means to pour oil on somebody. So when you say somebody is anointed, it means that oil has been poured on their head. You'll remember with me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. The Lord told Samuel, verse 2, he says, Why are you still grieving concerning Saul? I have chosen a man after me, who uh, chosen a man who after after who will replace Saul. This man is a man after my own heart. So he says, Take your horn of oil, go to Bethlehem. In the house of Jesse, I have chosen one of his sons. And finally, when they when he found that son who was a shepherd by the name of David, verse 13, 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says that Samuel poured oil from the horn of oil, the, uh, the oil that was in his horn onto the head of David in the midst of his brethren. And it says from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord was upon the life of David. So when oil is being poured on your, on your head, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. 
This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke to the apostles. He said to them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, of the Father, which is in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and Acts chapter 1, verse 4. They start to telling him, telling him, Lord, when will you restore again the kingdom to Israel? Then he says, It's not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power. The Greek word power is dunamis. You shall receive power. After that, the whole Holy Ghost is come upon you. Verse 8. You shall be witnesses in me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So the anointing comes. It's like oil is being poured on your head. That's why it says, cloven tongues as of fire stood above each of them. John the Baptist testified about Jesus. He said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, 11 to 12, I baptize you with water, but there is one that is coming after you, after me. He it is whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. He is the one who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. My friend, when the anointing is in your life, it feels like fire. You become on fire for God. You become on fire for evangelism. All you want to see is people saved, getting to know God. It will affect every area of your life. But just like I've said, the greatest anointing is not one that causes you to cast out demons and to heal the sick. Because you will remember what Jesus said in Matthew, the warning he gave in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. He says, many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done many wonderful works? Now, my friend, can you prophesy without the Holy Spirit? No. Can you cast out demons without the Holy Spirit? No. Can you do many wonderful works without the Holy Spirit and miracles? No. Then he says, I shall say to them, depart from you. You never knew me, you workers of iniquity. If you do not watch out, the anointing in you can be mingled with sin. It can be mingled with iniquity. And there is abundant examples of that in the scripture. Saul was anointed. He was the first king to be anointed over Israel by the prophet Samuel. But sin became mingled with his anointing. And the funny thing is, even after God had rejected him, the anointing was still upon him. When you read, um, I believe it's 1 Samuel chapter 22, if I'm not wrong, when Saul went to follow uh, David and Samuel, I think it was at uh, Ramoth Gilead, if I'm not wrong again, uh, if I'm wrong, please forgive me, uh, I'm forgetting. But it says that Saul prophesied the whole night. He took out his clothes. He prophesied until morning, uh, morning and they started to, say, started to say, has Saul the son of Kish become one of the prophets? The anointing was still in his life, even though the Lord has, had rejected him. Samson, mighty man of God, anointed. The anointing was in his life because he was a Nazarite. It says that he would go sleep around with prostitutes, with Delilah, with the Philistines. He did many wrong things. He would be drinking. He was told, you're not supposed to be drinking. Yet he would still drink. But when the anointing fell on him, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him and he would rescue Israel from their enemies. So the anointing can be mingled with sin. But the true and lasting anointing is the one that causes you to hate sin. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You hate evil. Not hating people. I'm not saying that now you, you know, you go around and you tell people God hates you, you know, and you're and you're full of, you know, just wrath and and, and people can't even be around you. I'm talking about a hatred for sin that is inside you. 
are hatred from sin. You don't want to engage in sin and that anointing at the same time causes you to love righteousness. Amen. That's the greatest anointing. That is the greatest anointing. And 1 John chapter 2, uh, wonderful, wonderful text again. This is John admonishing the saints at Ephesus. And, and this is what he says. Let me read it. First, first John chapter 2. He says, verse 20, But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. That's the King James. Other versions would say, You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Then verse 27, But the anointing which ye have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth and is no lie. Even as it has, it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Now look at verse 29. And now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. So what this text is basically saying, that when you receive the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So you have the anointing. So there is that anointing that comes from being born again. But there is also the anointing, it's a higher level. It's, it's, that's why I keep saying, that I've said before that there are different levels of the anointing. Then you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is when God fills you with his power, his dunamis, and enables signs and wonders to come as you preach. Do you understand? But like I'm saying, the greatest anointing is the one that causes you to love righteousness and to hate wickedness and God says he because of that he will anoint you with the oil of gladness before your before your fellows can you imagine there is an oil of joy some uh, Isaiah 61 verse 3 he says I will give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning David says in Psalm 16 verses 8 I have set the Lord always before my face is at my right hand I shall not be moved then verses 11 says you will show me life in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore isaiah and sorry nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 the joy of the lord is thy strength so when you're in the presence of the lord when you spend time with him oil is being poured over your life as you spend time in his presence the joy of the lord will come upon you that's the reason why paul with shackled hands in a roman prison is able to write to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 he says rejoice in the Lord always and I say again rejoice this man is in a prison and he's telling those who are outside he's encouraging those who are outside yet he is in prison in probably terrible conditions yet he's saying rejoice that kind of joy my is not determined by the circumstances around you it's a supernatural joy it's an anointing that comes from loving righteousness and hating wickedness. And what happens is you will find yourself spending time in the presence. As you spend time, oil will be poured over your head above your fellows. I hope you've understood what I'm saying. So that's just briefly what I wanted to share. I hope it's been a blessing to you. And seek today. And I didn't say that you did. I'm not saying that you despise the anointing for healing and casting out demons and preaching the gospel with power. It would be absurd to do so. You can have both. Jesus had both. King David had both. He was anointed. He played his harp, and demons were living soul. Can you imagine that? He he was anointed. He removed the Philistine. 
the giant Goliath, he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares defy the army of the living God? Yet the same anointed man is a man after God's own heart. So I'm not saying that now we despise miracles. You can have both, but let it be that the greatest anointing is upon you. This anointing, uh, Hebrews 1, 8 to 9, causes you to hate wickedness, to love righteousness. This anointing, 1 John chapter 2, it teaches you all things. Jesus promised us in John 16 verse 13, he says, When I send the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He will remind you what I've told you. He will not tell you his own things. He will tell you what I've told you. So the Holy Spirit will always tell you that which is in line with his word, with the word of God, the Bible. Then he says, verse 27, first John 2, verse 27, this anointing teaches you to abide, to be in his presence. Jesus said, abide in me, the true vine, for without me you can do nothing. You can only bear good fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22, 23, it says, against such there is no law. When you are walking in the fruit of the Spirit, my friend, you are walking in righteousness. So the anointing, the truest, most beautiful anointing, teaches you to abide in the presence of God. So that's my challenge to you today. Are you walking at such? Again, this is on a message of condemnation. If you're not, I'd like to pray for you right now. Say, Father, help me to walk in this true anointing. Help me to be able to experience the anointing that causes me to love righteousness, to hate wickedness, to abide in your presence, to bear good fruit. And when you appear, I will not be ashamed at your coming. I praise you, Lord, and I receive it now by faith, the anointing, the grace to abide in your presence. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Amen. God bless you.